Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Outcomes Rocket listeners, welcome back once again to the show where we chat with today's most inspiring and successful healthcare leaders. Today I have an outstanding guest for you. His name is Aaron Bright. He's an emergency physician and he's also the CEO and founder of Hippo Education. That's like Hippocrates. And so what I wanted to do is uh, just kind of extend a warm welcome to Aaron and have him fill in the gaps in in the introduction here because he's got a lot of really cool uh, experience. So Aaron, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, you got it pretty much right. That might have, when you said successful and what was the other thing you said? Successful. Inspiring. Yeah, see, I'm just, I'm both of those things. <laughs> no, I'm not. But I, but you know, you got it. I'm an ER doctor uh, by training. I graduated from UCI Medical School and went over to USC in Los Angeles to do some emergency training. And then after a long time of being in the community and various medical directorships and leadership stuff, I got back into academics. And then from there, I, we ended up starting the company Hippo, where we are mostly focused on kind of disrupting might be a cliche term, but we're trying to turn the education of practicing doctors and clinicians on its head and hopefully to have that translate over to the healthcare administration side as well. I think that's really neat. So what principles guide the turning on the head type of things that you guys are doing? Yeah, a lot of people who they might be familiar with this, but what we found and the way I always talk about it is that you as a clinician and as a provider, you're hopefully when you're in training, you've got you're kind of surrounded by mentors, you're surrounded by kind of your heroes, everything's on the up and up, the complete goal is patient care. And you're high-fiving everybody all the time. You do something cool and there's nine people behind you. And so you're kind of used to this mentors and geniuses surrounding you all the time. And then as you get past training and they dump you out in the real world, that basically completely cuts off. Mm-hmm. And so what you're left with is more of a CME industry, if you will. It's not really that people are worried about education anymore. That continuing education for doctors and clinicians becomes a hoop jump and more of a regulation. You're required to do it. And so there's a lot of companies out there that were doing education that is maybe subpar in a lot of ways, maybe is made by uh, people who are not quite expert and then signed off on by chairs of departments and things. So everybody who is trained classically in medicine actually knows that. And so what happens is you get this giant apathy. You know, after you graduate, you go, where's all the education? And they go, well, you know what? I'm going to keep up on my own. I'm going to read this giant stack of papers and I'm going to keep up. And then you get bombarded by the system. And then after a while, everybody's self-education system tends to fall apart. You end up pulling all those journals off your desk into the trash. And, and then you have this weird spiral where you go, I'd like to catch up. I know I'm supposed to be caught up. I'm getting behind. Then you have this weird shame and nobody talks about it. And we think that contributes to burnout and all kinds of patient outcome problems and, and all kinds of financial problems. It's just not as, it's not as direct as you would see in maybe some of the other people you would talk to. But the foundation of patient outcomes and successful financial healthcare systems is the education of these people who are on the front lines. And that's where, so turning on its head by literally making better education, caring about it, having clinician people uh, spearheading the education and designing the education and giving us what we want, and even being more engaging and a little bit goofy and a little bit more human, admitting when we don't know things, taking apart that whole bow tie and lectern education model where you're just dry and you're going through the epidemiology and then you're going through this and you're going through that. 
where everybody falls asleep and it has to be an hour, even if it's a five minute topic and all those things were ripe to be reworked. And so I think that's why people picked up on what we were doing and we, we got pretty popular pretty fast. I think that's really interesting, Aaron. And you know, one of the things that you said that sticks out to me is this idea that elephants don't bite. It's the yep. mosquitoes. And yeah. so you're, you're going through the day to day and it's those little things that happen that all of a sudden just catch up to you. Right. <laughs> and so what you guys have done there at Hippo is just really take it to the next level and make it more fun by, okay, providers are actually creating your content. Right. So we know what's applicable because we're in the front line. That's exactly right. And it's, it's weird or maybe surprising. It was surprised me that that wasn't the norm. The norm is, is not that at all. And I'm not, I don't blame anybody for trying to make great education with the resources they've got. It's pretty hard to find super talented clinician, educator, technology forward, driven people who have time in their schedule. All that stuff is really a challenge. And so we just sort of um, were able to piece it together at the beginning and make something that people liked our first couple chunks of education. And then from there, we were able to expand. But it's really unusual to have education that's not focused more on the CME credit hour for the doctor or the clinician and more focused on the education with the credit hour being the afterthought, you can't rely on, on the system to guarantee that the that great education is coming out there. And so everybody had the same problem. We started in emergency medicine. We went to primary care and pediatrics and every place that we went, we found the same kind of thing lacking. So your programs are resonating, Aaron, and obviously education's key, right, to the focus that you guys are driving at, at Hippo. But right. what would you say, if you wanted to dive deeper and get more granular, what's a hot topic that you feel should be on every medical leader's agenda? You know, that's really interesting. I'll give you the deep one. It's deeper, but a little still ethereal. And that it's on everybody's tongue right now, but it's wellness and burnout. Yes. And I think that it's really tempting for uh, leadership in healthcare scenarios that are you know, non-medical and are sort of maybe not practicing, you know, if they are medical, to think that that burnout and that wellness is distant from them and make it, it feels a little bit touchy-feely. It, mm -hmm. We're just not used to it. But what we're finding on the ground level is that all of these various pieces of the system contribute to that burnout. And one of the biggest pieces is the sort of physician, ground level, clinician education and the gap in that education. So for instance, I was talking to a CMO friend the other day and we're starting to do, as I was saying earlier, we're starting to do uh, more education that aligns kind of what you'd call the hospital and system leadership with the ground troops. Traditionally, we want to admit it or not admit it, there can be some animosity between these goals that the hospital has, whether it be the mission or the or the bottom line or oh, whatever, doubt. Yeah. and the goals of even the governmental organizations. So you've got the Surgeon General making some sort of initiative. Those are very hard. They're, they're almost easier to translate if you're in leadership than to understand if you're on the ground frontline doctor part, because you're, you know, you're working 70 hours a week, and it's really hard for you to understand why that initiative is there. All you see is a new form or a new stat or a new way to follow. Yep. And so uh, we've been focusing on on that. And one of the core pieces that ground troops tend to say is, look, man, I'm, you give me this new form to fill out. And I get it. Yeah, we shouldn't have any C. diff around here. And I'd like to do as much as I possibly can to reduce our stats on having these infections. But I'm exhausted and I'm burned out. And you give me another form and all I can see is the form. So the form, nobody wants to have a form uh, given to them. And I understand that we should all be working to minimize those forms and increase those efficiencies. But just finding a way to help those clinicians not be burned out gives you a massive 
a much larger level of buffer to tolerate those forms. And if you ignore the burnout and the wellness stuff, it's to your own peril. And then every time you change the tiniest little bit of the system, as you know, you've got cranky clinicians freaking out. So as granular as you're talking about, but that's a deep one. And we're starting to see education start to focus on that and start to see the hospital leadership and the healthcare leadership start to pay attention to that in more than just lip service. Yeah, Aaron, and it's really irrelevant. All these requirements, the EMR reporting, the the forms. I mean, what is the why behind all these things and communicating it to the front line? And there's really a need for more leadership capabilities for the, you know, let's just say the the medical directors or the clinical directors pushing it down. Yeah, and giving them a toolkit to do that, it's much, I think that people don't totally. understand the psychology, the psychology of the, the difference between a hospital leader, even if that leader was a clinician or is a clinician still, and somebody who's on the front lines who may be a fantastic, very productive clinical person, they're kind of different personalities. Totally. And when it makes sense to you as a leader, may not be as obvious to you as it is, maybe more obvious to you as it pertains to the purpose behind things than it is for these ground people and the toolkit that we're trying to make. And that's why it all comes back to education for me, even though it is my passion, but I really think it's important. There are ways to bridge that gap and it's not always obvious. And so giving people the tools and the education, the way to describe something to your ground troops can change it completely and really turn around the numbers and really turn around the attitude that's around there. And as you know, like the, you solve one of those problems, right. And the next problem's easier. You solve one of those problems wrong and you get an angry medical executive committee meeting. And then the next one's much harder. Yep. No, that's really good. And so Aaron, can you give the listeners an example of, of a time that you guys have created results by changing some of this education? Yeah, that's a good question too. We've done. So as we say, all of our education is made with the end user in mind, you know, the practicing clinician, the frontline person, and then we back it up from there. And having been on that on both sides, me yep. as a leadership in hospitals and me as, as an educator and me as, a, as ground troops, I think you, we, we kind of back it up from there. And so one of the things that we like to do and I've been doing for a long time is kind of targeted education based around performance measures in the hospital. So it's, we've done a lot of STEMI stuff for myocardial infarction and daughter needle times and all these different things for ERs, where we start with, here's what we're supposed to do. Imagine if you will, uh, clinician, that that's your goal. Now, how are you going to get that to be as efficient as possible, knowing that you cannot set up your ER to do things like automatically activate the cath lab and automatically do this and automatically do that. So you take the first step being, let's describe the clinical needs. And then the next step being, how can your environment support that? And then the next step is how can your system support that? And then the next step is how is your system supporting that and how is your system hardwiring it? And so we've done that and then have some pre and post you know, data to show that that makes outsized differences, things you wouldn't expect. You'd think, geez, all I did was really explain it differently. And it sounds like you guys are taking more of a systems approach where you're equipping the learner with, instead of a check the box exercise that get, helps you get your CMEs, you're actually giving them a systems approach to, yeah. to the way to, to address it. And that makes it interactive and more useful. Yeah, it does. And I, the overarching theme there is that if you as an educator, are dedicated to getting that information across in a true way and nothing to do with CME hours or anything. That's just a, it comes. I mean, if you're doing good education, you get plenty of CME hours. If you're really looking at how to best make that information usable to these ground troops, it's really easy 
to back up and see it from a system perspective and, you know, and make it uh, more, more real. And one of the pieces that I think is most effective is sort of being a little more human about it and being not so much everybody understand this, but you, which is a typical kind of medical model. You know, we say, right. oh, here's describe all this stuff, but more to say, look, everybody has a hard time with this. Let's try to work together and figure it out. And what we're doing at Hippo is we're trying to build a community of, it's even hard to explain, but almost like conscious, conscious learners where yeah. they now know that they're not alone, that there's a lot of people that don't understand this stuff or that need to keep up with this stuff. You take that as the baseline and then they're much more open to learning the reasons why they're going to do this or that. And we found even people that go, geez, I never understood that before. And those people end up when they find themselves in leadership positions in a much stronger area. So the bottom line is education is one of those fundamentals that's really hard to focus on because it's, you know, maybe however you do it in your hospital, it's either kind of, you've already got a system, you're not really sure if it's working. You're trusting that because you're giving CME units, maybe it is working, but you're not sure. It's hard to focus on it because it feels like you can't see the change in outcomes so perfectly. Maybe there's two or three steps, but I would encourage people to, however you do it, focus on really good education, find it somehow and give it a little time to work and then just check things. It'd be hard to follow those variables, but check yourself six months after that education starts and you'd be surprised at how much it turns around. Yeah, for sure. And, and how about nursing? You guys do anything on the nursing side or is it, is it mainly physician? We do some work for nursing on a very, almost as a secret level. <laughs> we don't have any, yeah. any products for nursing yet. Uh-huh. We really love the field. I'm um, just thinking like alarm fatigue, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Happens a lot. So like things like that. Yeah, alarm fatigue, sort of teamwork. The new we're doing stuff now where we're we're talking to people, bigger systems, where they're trying to align a much more forward-thinking, future-thinking, sophisticated way of dealing with the team, right? So you've got alarm fatigue. That's nurses, right? It's the nurses. The totally. only you have to listen to this alarm. Change <laughs> that whole paradigm to you're part of the team. You're rounding with the clinician. You're you know, nobody's, the hierarchy is so meaningless nowadays. The information's so huge and there's so many mistakes that can happen with information passing from level to level that we're looking to, you know, things like alarm fatigue is a really good example of the team being disjointed. So you've got documented lawsuits and things where you've got a, you know, several different people who technically didn't need to hear that code bell yeah. kind of walking right past the room because that's not their alarm. <laughs> and then it's because the other nurse was, you know, someplace that's else. So true that stuff's ridiculous and uh, needs a lot of subtle education about how that's more effective and can make everybody happier, including the people that are supposed to be the boss. Having a much more sophisticated team is going to make the clinician's uh, job way, way easier. Yeah. So Aaron, you, you've been on the front line, you've been a medical leader, and now you're, you're the CEO of this really cool education company that helps improve outcomes by improving education. Give the listeners an example of a setback you've had and what you learned from it and kind of the pearls that you got out of it. That's a good one. You want a setback of a business setback or kind of a failure in our model? I can give you some setbacks. I got some of those. <laughs> What's most interesting? Anything related to maybe this theme of education since we're already on it? Yeah, I think that we've... We've run into a few, I'm not sure if there are setbacks as much as there are learning experiences where you're trying to figure out the best way to get 
education across to people. And what we started with early on is kind of doing everything that everybody else was doing, but with a little bit more uh, human touch and a little bit more humor and a little bit more entertainment. And what we got was a lot of people very interested in, I think what we initially decided was our first goal was like, just don't let people fall asleep. That was all we really yeah. cared about. We we're like, just how many times have we been sitting in a lecture and we dozed off and we, you know, and so we sort of put together that as our, you know, we're really proud of that. And what we found was that while we were gaining customers, we weren't really sure when we looked at the data and you sort of do pre-tests and post-tests and stuff like that, were we getting this education across to people as much as we had hoped? And the answer was yes, because they're awake, which is a giant step forward. <laughs> but the answer is we could probably do more. And I think that what we learned, for instance, we were doing these sort of half hour to hour long lectures. And we were doing a traditional outline where you introduce the problem, you get some epidemiology, you do this, you do the treatment, and you're sort of comprehensive all the time. And um, we learned that not only did people not necessarily uh, retain any of that information, but it wasn't something that they even wanted to retain on the tips of their fingers. That was stuff they could look up. If you need to know how many type two diabetics uh, fail metformin, you can look that up. You don't have right. to have that when Mrs. Smith comes into your office. That's right. And so what we ended up doing is we would take topics that were traditionally an hour long and distill it down to six, seven minutes of wow. really tight stuff and none of the fluff, and then maybe do a deeper dive later for people that were just fascinated by that. And then we started to do the looking at how people were doing and, and staying awake and, and not just staying awake, but retaining, and that got a lot better. So we keep doing these things where we'll try something and we'll go, oh, that didn't work, and we'll, we'll tweak it to the point where we're, you know, we're more outside the norm at this point. We've got a we have a conference that we run called Essentials of Emergency Medicine, which is a, the biggest ER conference in the world, really a single room. There's a couple thousand people in this one room. Nice. What we found is that we have to, we literally for three days and, you know, six to eight to nine hours a day are doing five to eight minute presentations. And we've got a stage set up and we will throw somebody up there and bang, and they do an eight minute something, they pull them back off. There's two seconds of music and you bang, you put somebody else up there. And you would think that that would exhaust people but it does the opposite. It keeps them awake and it keeps them engaged. That's pretty cool, by the way. I like that idea, you know, because anybody could make things seem complicated and long. Yeah. It takes talent and it takes skill to really hone it into what resonates most. So I'm intrigued that you actually do this for three days straight at your meeting. It's pretty impressive, right? It's <laughs> pretty cool. It took some time and it's one of those... Uh, it's one of those things that it sounds easy until you try to shuffle on 45 people a day on and off so, stage. And so do you get pushback by, from some of the speakers like, hey, man, I really need a half hour for this? Yeah, we used to. And we don't as much anymore because the thing has been so popular. It's, it basically has changed the entire paradigm of how you would do emergency medicine education. And now the rest of the world is doing almost the exact same thing. And we've sort of trained the ER docs at large that, hey, I don't have to listen to this hour. <laughs> so they don't want it anymore. <laughs> so now they don't complain. And what happened is this interesting side product, which I think translates into outcomes in all levels of, you know, using education as the lighter fluid, if you will, to, yeah. to making all this change. When you challenge the status quo in a way that makes sense, not just to make everybody freak out, but just to, you know, nobody wants to hear two hours on, on diabetes from soup to nuts. It's just impossible to absorb that. What we end up happening is now our speakers will come in and our educators and they'll be very excited because they got to focus in on one little section of that that's most important to them clinically and make a tremendous, it's hard to do good education in eight minutes. It so is. you have to have gone over it 200 times. You take away all of the crutches that we tend to use where you make a couple of opening things, you put up a picture of Dilbert, 
you like, you know, there's all <laughs> these different ways that people do it. We've taken that away. And what we've found is that without even us having any talent about it, we're being offered education that's so much better. So we're, hope, we're trying to get that into the rest of the world too. Same thing with, even if you're talking about compliance issues, if you give people a lie detector test, nobody wants to hear that issue for an hour. Nobody. Yeah. No, Aaron, I love this. And I think outcomes rocket listeners, a thing that we could all pull from this is as leaders in this field, we have to be able to communicate simply. And if you have a, a mission, a vision, something that, that you want a common theme through the year, distill it to that six or eight minutes that Aaron's yeah. talking about here and Absolutely. watch what happens. Yep. Watch what happens to your people. They become owners of that word and it becomes an identity almost. Cultural shift that Aaron has created over there, him and his team with this meeting, sounds like a really cool one. I'd love to, to pop by sometime to, to yeah. see this. You should come. You learn a lot. It's very interesting to watch how excited people are. I think it's monkey brain stuff. You can't stay excited for an hour about anything. Yeah, no, yeah. it's true. And, I, and I've been like, I've been to these meetings and some of them are good, but you can't help but just start pinching yourself, you know, at the end of day one, even sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's not even a reflection of these educators. I think a lot of times if you take a great educator who's used to doing an hour and you tell them you've got 15 minutes, gold comes out of that. Oh, it's all there and people remember it and they have good questions and you just never lose that focus. But yeah, I think that's a good, what you said is a really good way, a simple way to say it, which is to simplify. And that simplification is the hardest part. To write a 15 page diatribe about something is a lot easier than trying to get your point across in a couple paragraphs. It's really hard, but it forces you to go over it again and again and again and cut the fluff and cut the fluff. And uh, it's a good way to do almost everything. There's some things maybe airline pilot training, maybe you need timing. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> almost yeah. Might be some things you don't want to put through this. Uh, right. No, Aaron, really good stuff, man. And so can you share with the listeners maybe the other side of this? Like give us a time where it's been one of the proudest moments that you've had in medicine. Yeah, let's think about that. We've done a lot of stuff that we're proud of over here. I think one of the things that we're most proud of, and it's a little bit more team oriented than anything educational or clinical. But what we've done is that by adopting all of this new way of educating is we've sparked interest by bigger organizations. We have uh, partnerships now with, uh, for instance, we have a, we do the AAPA's uh, board review test prep thing. So we do this partnership with the AAPA, which is a great organization for cool. physician assistants. We're working with some other people that I probably shouldn't expose before it happens, but people are noticing and realizing that when they have a piece of their organization that is education focused, but it's not their organization's focus, that doing it on their own is a lot harder and a lot less productive than it seems. For sure. So because we're not, you know, we're not looking to gouge anybody, we've got it, we're very mission focused. We've been very excited to sort of see people pay attention and and start to reach out and make partnerships with us and other people. I think we're really proud that people are noticing that. And I think watching, honestly, the most prideful thing that we've, and it's happened since day one, but we have got, we save every single comment that we get out of the tens of thousands of people that we're learning things, that are teaching things to. And the stuff that they say and makes you realize how important that education is to the individual person and how quickly the stuff that your listeners are doing and that we're doing translates to a bedside. Whether you have anything to do with medicine or not, everybody that's in the healthcare system that's doing anything of any, that has any focus on, on outcomes 
translates down to my grandmother and your mom and, and us eventually totally, yep. to the bedside. And it's, that sounds like fluff and cliche. It is not. And we have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of stories that people say, I listen to this thing on your podcast. You know, we have these primary care wrap podcasts that we do as audio monthly education. I listened to this thing on That's primary cool. care wrap. And then the next day I saw this and I went to the hospital and this person and we changed the entire management. That's so rewarding that most of us would do it even if we were not as successful as we are. And so that's really what we're doing it for. Yeah, I think that's great. And so are these monthly things that you do on your podcast, are they actually like wrapping sessions or? That's a good question. The wrap stands for, the wrap we started, it stands for reviews and perspectives. Oh, uh, okay. And gotcha. Because I was, I was thinking yeah. like Z-Dog MD. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this is, is pre-rap and pre-rap music. And we used to get that all the time. I, I bought your thing. There's no music in there at all. <laughs> I was expecting hip hop. There's nothing exactly. on here. Yeah. No, but it's, uh, that's been a really rewarding thing is having that. That's pretty cool. That monthly education that, that engages people and then they never leave. So you've got a real community. It's not just test prep. It's like, I use this to stay up to date and to keep from getting burned out. And I listened to it on my run and on my way to school and all this stuff. And that has been a wildly successful thing for us to do all this audio. As you know, what you're doing right now is the, really is the next generation of having people be able to access for sure beautiful stuff without changing their day or sitting in front of a computer and staring at it, that kind of thing. So if we got the listeners interested in this, where can they check you out? I mean, you know, you could tell them right now and then I'll include it in the show notes, but you know, let us know how can we get access to these uh, resources? Yeah, I appreciate that. Well, the company is Hippo Education and we have a, the front page of the website is hippoed.com, hippoeducation.com will work too. But then you can sort of browse through and see what we've got. We That you'll see all the different specialties that we're involved in and all these products. We basically do live courses like we do for Essentials of Emergency Medicine. We do exam prep. But what we're most proud of is these podcasts like you're doing where we do a monthly two to three hours of education, more CME than you need each year, and just a really entertaining, short, bite-sized pieces of education that will basically take over the entire job of keeping a clinician up to date. And then behind that education, we also do custom stuff for bigger systems and compliance and these bigger, bigger questions for, for healthcare. And so if they want to talk to us about that, you can always email us. We can contact us through the, uh, through the website. That's awesome, man. Thanks so much for sharing that, Aaron. So yeah. and this, this is kind of apropos to what you do and my attempt to try this, uh, this succinct approach that you take. So you and I are building a medical leadership course on what it takes to be successful in medicine. It's the 101 or the ABCs of Aaron Bright. Yeah. And so you and I are going to write the syllabus. Four questions, lightning round. You'll give me some quick responses and then we'll sure. finish it up with a book that you recommend to the listeners. Ready? Oh, that's a good one. All right, let's do it. All right. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? Education is the best way to improve healthcare outcomes. That was a <laughs> I know that was coming from. <laughs> <laughs> what is the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? I think the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid for outcomes is, and this may tie into my book, is, is ego. I think you check your ego. We're all on the same team. We've artificially boxed ourselves into these certain things, but it's ridiculous. And if you look deep into it, we're all on the same team. So check yourself when you see yourself having some animosity toward the group on the left. Awesome. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? That is our bread and butter. We love change and uh, we're a sort of technology forward company, but we stay relevant by brute force, by deep diving and swimming in this stuff all day, every day. I think if we didn't do that, it would be pretty easy to fall behind. And I feel bad for people who can't do that. But 
find yourself a, a trusted resource, whether you've got a Twitter list or whatever, and go over it regularly and you'll find yourself just accidentally because of interest kind of keeping up with all these different changes in the healthcare world. And finally, what's one area of focus that should drive all else in your organization? We're almost to a fault mission driven on the idea of respecting our end clinician. And so we are looking for ways in always every way, like how you log into the website, how you do a test, how you are given feedback all the way through the education and thinking, is this the most respectful way to use that person's time? And whether we're talking to the hospital CEO or we're talking to Joe, family medicine doctor, we are always focused on that. In fact, we've hardwired it into our system where when we're going to we get to a certain point, we say, what part of this is kind of disrespectful and let's cut that part. Yeah. So it's a respect issue for us. Love it. And what book would you recommend, Aaron? You know, my books are not, I don't read a lot of healthcare books. I love Atul Gawande. And so anything that's written by that guy, he has one, the most recent one is, oh, I lost it. Is it more beyond being mortal or something like that? Okay. But, uh, that's Atul Gawande's most recent book. And it kind of talks about how clinicians die. Hmm. And uh, that's a fascinating read. But I would say that what I've been recommending most is a weird one. I'll give it to you. And, you, and your people who are resonating with this idea of, you know, mission driven and, and being on the team and, and growing as a person as you go and serve all these different populations, there's a book called Ego is the Enemy. And I've been passing it out like candy. That right? it's by a guy named Ryan Holiday. And uh, it's just a really beautiful example of how focusing outside yourself in all ways, not just for your thinking about the patient, but the people around you and your team ends up rewarding you tenfold when you're not even trying. And it's a really easier way to live anyway and a fantastic read. So read Ego is the Enemy. That's a good one. That's awesome, Aaron. Thanks for recommending that. And listeners, be sure to go to outcomesrocket.com slash bright uh, for Aaron Bright. That's B-R-I-G-H-T. And you'll be able to get all of the show notes, links to the books that he's mentioned, as well as links to his educational resources. So you could dive in. So don't worry about hitting rewind or stopping your car or even writing while you're driving. That would be really crazy. <laughs> um, you don't want to do that. Just go to outcomesrocket.com slash bright and you'll be able to find all this. Aaron, before we conclude, I just want to ask you to share one closing thought and then the best place where the listeners could get a hold of you. Yeah, no, I guess the closing thought is that I believe very strongly to my depths that all of us that are involved in all this healthcare stuff is a real beautiful thing for the world and to be proud of yourselves and realize that the stuff you do is very, very meaningful and translates all the way down. So don't give up. It's a very frustrating place and uh, seek out some community and some education that you like and some ways to figure out what other people are doing so you don't feel so lonely. I hate the burnout. And then uh, if you want to check out what we're doing, we're, at, um, we're on the web at hippoed.com. And um, you can contact us uh, for anything there. My email is Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at hippoeducation.com. And uh, we would love to hear from you. And I'm always open to uh, chatting with people that are looking for advice or ways to change things. And um, I love what you're doing over there, Saul. So I appreciate being on, on board. Hey, appreciate you, Aaron. It was a ton of fun to have you on. Definitely a lot of insights for the listeners and uh, looking forward to staying in touch with you. Thanks, Saul. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more. 